Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 37 of For Your Eyes, O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Sharky Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today, bud? Not bad. Not bad, man. I had the foresight, so I'm recording in a different room than I normally record because this room has an air conditioner in it. Uh-huh. And it's not running right now, but I did have the foresight to let it run for like 45 minutes before I came in here to record, and I'm feeling very pleased with that decision. Oh, very clever. It is, very clever. Yeah, it's like unreasonably humid in Cleveland today. I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah, it is. I was out for a walk for like five minutes today and immediately regret it and have been inside ever since. <laughs> Um, and honestly, if I wasn't out of groceries, I probably wouldn't have even done that. Uh, but I was, but now problem is solved. Got myself some lunch. Got a cool beverage right here. Hold on. Ah, nice. Love those. Love a cold bevy on a hot day. Got that pomplamoose. Um. Oh, that's not my favorite, actually. Mm. It is or is not? It is not. I don't like grapefruit. Oh, that's right. You know, I did yeah, use to like grapefruit. That... Whatever that uh, I, flavor is, I don't dig it. It's also why I don't like uh, like super hoppy beers, because they just taste like grapefruit. They do. They do. Overly hoppy stuff does have a grapefruit flavor, um, which I, I don't like a grapefruit flavor in my beer unless it is supposed to be a grapefruit flavor in my beer. Like if it's like a grapefruit shandy, I'm into that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't like it, but that does make sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, speaking of that, episode 37 of Arranger. <laughs> um, it's called I Am uh, Gunbajin. Gunbajin. Uh, and I, Dave, I'm excited to introduce our dear listeners to Gunbajin. Oh yeah, Gunbajin rules. Um, but before we can do that, of course, Dave, uh, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So our first star of the week is yesterday, Matt, you and I, and my wife, Beth, and uh, and the twins, we all went out for a Korean dinner, which is great. We went and had some, well, we didn't actually have barbecue, but we went to a restaurant that is a Korean barbecue restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's Miega. It's great if you're ever in Cleveland, you're looking for Korean food, I recommend Miega. So anyways, there is, however, like Beth was looking around, because, you know, we, we like to scope new restaurants here and there, and there is a new Korean restaurant in Cleveland. I was like, oh, no kidding. Like, that's cool. Like, I really like Miega, but I'll go check out some other place. Absolutely. And uh, we looked at the menu. It was like a little bit pricey. It was pricier than Miega is. And so we're like, no, we're not going to go there. But we were driving by and like we were driving to Miega and we saw the location of the new place and I <laughs> we laughed because it is now the third Korean barbecue restaurant that has been opened in that exact same location. Oh, really? Yeah, like there was one and then that, well, I mean, okay, I was about to explain to you that there was one, and then it shut down, and then another one, and then it shut down. But, like, yeah, oh. if it's the third oh, one, I then see. obviously there were two other ones that shut down. Uh, and, of course, in not telling you the story, I've, not, I've now told it to you. Um, just really just really banging on all cylinders as far as the podcast goes today, Matt. Anyway, oh, yeah, crush it. Crush it yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like the third restaurant that's been open, like, specifically, it's the third restaurant that's been open in this place. But it's specifically, it is the third Korean barbecue restaurant, which is a little weird unless you've ever been to Korean barbecue. 
because it like to have a restaurant set up as a Korean barbecue restaurant requires a fair amount of infrastructure. Right, right. Like there are very specific sorts of like tables and fixtures that are inside this place. Yeah, and so I imagine like if one shuts down, then another one is just like, well, if you want to open up a Korean barbecue, like here is one. Here is a spot that you can go to. Right, to turn to the operation thing. Yeah. Uh apparently the new one is the reports on it are very good. Where like there was one that was there forever and like that one was fine and they just shut down for some reason. And then there was another one there. Remember how we said there was a second restaurant that opened up in the Oh, so yeah, there was yeah. one restaurant that shut down. Okay, okay. No, and I'm then there you. was another one next? that opened in that same location. Oh, a and I did one. go there once. Yeah, a second restaurant. And that place sucked. So I'm not surprised that they shut down. Uh, but now in that same location, there's actually a third Korean third barbecue rest- that has opened up. <laughs> no way. Yeah, well, it's crazy because if you want to open up a Korean barbecue, Dave. like there's a lot of infrastructure. <laughs> Sorry, um, it does. Yeah, it so does the- kind of make me feel as though running, like having a building like that, is like running the Super Sentai franchise. Just like every once in a while, you need to reboot and like get a new name and like paint the walls and call it something else. Right, but like fundamentally, you're still you're still serving the same three dishes. Like nothing has changed. About that. Like, if you're not particularly observant, like, you might have walked into that same building three different times. Like, oh, yeah, Korean barbecue. I go to this building for it. (laughs) I love this stuff. Did I tell you, this was ages, this was like months ago. Did I tell you about the all you can eat Korean barbecue joint that Beth and I went to? I, I mean, okay. I mean, you did. We did not talk about it on this show. You did tell me about it last night, uh, Matt. You are you're, you're killing me, dude. You're killing me. I'm trying to have like a fresh introduction to this topic, as though we hadn't talked about it before. For okay, like, no, 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 set me up again. Set me up again. Sorry. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Hey, Matt, did I tell you about this new career? Uh, see, now I flubbed it. Thanks a lot. So no, it's good. Okay, third time's the charm. Let's do. Third this. time's the charm. Ready. <laughs> Uh, actually, hey, Matt, we haven't talked about this before. Have I told you about the all-you-can-eat Korean joint uh, that Beth and I went to? Matt, I don't think so. I feel like I would remember it if you had said something like that. Thanks. Uh, well, I'm, it's nice to know that you pay so much attention to our conversations. <laughs> yeah, it was down when we were visiting Mom and Dad. I can't believe we didn't mention this. And it was just, like, it wasn't a buffet, because that just, that wouldn't work. But it was, like, 20 bucks a head, and you sat down, and you, they just, there's, like, a menu of items a menu of like 20 things and you just they you just told them what you wanted and they just kept bringing you meat until until your human body failed you and you couldn't put any more meat in it that that must be a very disappointing moment i feel like that's a real like self betrayal like yeah. there's more korean food i can be eating and yet my body refuses to do it with me yeah it was a real i did i felt deeply betrayed by uh You know, I didn't have a thought, though, that really, (laughs) like, we think of all-you-can-eat restaurants as, like, a unique thing. Mm -hmm. It's not any restaurant is an all-you-can-eat restaurant if you have enough money. Like I've worked I I guess you're right. (laughs) I've worked in a lot of restaurants. I promise you, if you keep ordering food, they'll keep bringing it to you. Until you can no longer eat. (laughs) Yeah, there is no point at which a restaurant will stop Saying like, no, I'm I'm sorry, sir, you can't have more pie. Right, like, like that just pin- won't. 
happen. Those conveyor belt sushi places are an all-you-can-eat restaurant. You just do not have a pre-negotiated price for that. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, So anyway, so hopefully this restaurant location is not cursed for the people who are running it. I feel like it's definitely not cursed for whoever owns the building. Like, that dude's killing it. Oh, sure. Um, So anyways, Matt, what is our second star of the week? Dave, second star of the week is I'm about to tell you a very Matt J sentence. Um, Okay. Yesterday, when you called me to ask if I wanted to go eat Korean food, I looked at the clock and I realized that I had forgotten to go to the uh, independent wrestling, like independent pro wrestling show at a bar down the street from me because I had accidentally been playing Castlevania Symphony of the Night all day. Oh, well, that is a very Matt J sentence, Matt. Uh, I do need to parse it a little bit. Because, like, I understand all the individual elements of that. Like, sure. there was an independent wrestling show. There was a bar. You didn't go to either of them because you were playing Symphony Night. This all makes sense to me. No, no, the first no, the, portion the of that. The wrestling show was at the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the part that I'd actually like to tackle. Um, I mean, How do I, you have I, a wrestling... Like, there's, there's space constraints. Like, I feel like you need, like, a minimum amount of just landscape to do a wrestling show on. Uh, I genuinely don't know. I think they might have, like, a back patio area. Um, but th- this is a bar that also does, like, a bunch of shows. Like, this is a space that is normally used as, like, a concert venue for, like... Okay, got for, like, it. So, punk uh, bands. Okay, yes. Thank you. No, no, no. That's fine. I am yeah. now... I, uh, I'm, I'm with you now. So, uh, Symphony... Th- How did you get Symphony of the Night? It's not on... No, it's not on the NES Classic. That's insane. Um, no, no, no. There are there are two Castlevanias on the NES Classic. So I was I was playing uh, Castlevania, the original one, on my NES Classic, and like it is a fun walk down memory lane. But it is a difficult game, and like not one that I actually played a lot as a kid. So yeah, it's not one like I can go back and play any of the Mario games or this like the NES Zelda games, like you know, ad infinitum because they're just sort of like locked in there in my brain. Castlevania is not that yeah. way. Like I, I'll throw on the old Castlevania and it's fun, uh, but it's not what I'm looking for. So I was, Man, this play- is not a joke. I don't know if I, so, you know, there's the warp in world one, two. Yeah. In two, I literally don't know if I've ever played the intervening levels between the warp and where it takes you. I was actually doing that the other day. I was, like, this is not a joke. I know all the other levels, but, like, somebody showed me the warp, like, the first time I ever played it, and I just never, like, it just never occurred to me to not use it. Like, of course you would use the warp. I don't think I've ever played those levels, which yeah, is a realization the, I've the, only just now had. Use the warp in World 1-2 to get to World 4. Use the warp in World 4-2 to get to World 8. And then you get like halfway through World Eight and you die because and then you the die, game because yeah. the game has gotten so much harder between Worlds One or Worlds One and World Eight, but you only played three levels, so you haven't gotten better at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's no, that's precisely what happened to me. And yet, it never occurred to me to try and just like improve my skills by playing the levels. So, uh, anyways, this is all. So, you got Symphony of the Night. Oh um, yeah. Well, like so year, I, I was playing. I was playing Castlevania, and then I was also playing um, Zelda Two: uh, Link's Adventure on the NES Classic. Ooh. While I was doing this, I was listening to a series of podcasts or a series of podcast episodes from the Retronauts podcast. If you're familiar with that, I'm not. Uh, it is a like retro video game podcast, but they did a series on Metroidvania games. 
Oh, fun. Oh, Matt, speaking of podcasts, this is a very brief aside. We had auditions for the show this this week, mm-hmm. and one of the kids who was auditioning did his like his monologue, his audition monologue was a speech uh, that Augustus Parsons of the Augustus Parsons Cashew Company did from The Adventure Zone. And it was listening, <laughs> like, and I missed him say it, and I was listening to it, and it's like, I've heard this speech somewhere before, and I was trying to place it, and it wasn't until he walked away that I was like, oh, that's what it's from. Anyways. Wow. Uh, anyway, anyway. Um, so I was playing these games, and I and they had, like, a whole episode where they talked a lot about Symphony of the Night, and I was like, man, I have not that, like, that is what I actually want to be playing that's right so, now. That's so, dude, is that, is it every bit as good as I remember it being? It is. It's, so you can get it on Xbox. Like, it is, like, 10 bucks. Uh, from like the like virtual Microsoft store. Oh, okay. It's it's actually there. a Xbox 360 port of the game, but it is it works on a Xbox One. Mm, okay. So yeah, I've been playing it. Uh, that's kind of been my whole weekend. It <laughs> is every bit as good as you remember it. It's a little shorter than you remember it, um, just because it's a 21 year old game. And is it like seriously, dude, it came out in 1997. Dang, man. Yeah, man, Holy it's cats. it's upsetting, but wow. but you know, Jen, what that really means is like the game is every bit as like beautiful and like well thought out and perfectly designed and you know slick as you remember. It's just that like the actual castle of Castlevania is not actually like infinitely large the way that it is in your mind. Yeah, and I remember it being just absolutely gigantic. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, Symphony of the Night Rules. Everyone should play it again if you haven't played it recently. Or if you've never played it, because can... it is 21 years old. Check that out. It's extraordinarily good. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy good. I wonder if there's a way I can get Final Fantasy Tactics. Probably not on an Xbox. Probably not, but... Uh, anyways, I don't know. There's other, like, Square, Ubi, whatever games on, on the Xbox. Um, so, Matt, what is our third star of the week? Third star of the week. I'll move more quickly through this one because we spent a lot of time talking about video games. Um, so, this is actually another, like... What? This, this is another, like, high school throwback thing for me. Um, but the Cowboy Bebop movie was... Had, like, a showing at a local movie theater the other day. So, I went to go see Cowboy Bebop the movie... In the movie theaters, and it was a really good time. Yeah, Cowboy Bebop is very, very good. It's very good, and it, seriously, it, it's that is another thing from back in the day that really holds up. Um, I genuinely don't know if I'd ever seen the movie though. Uh, uh you have, you have, because we watched it together. Okay, but yeah, Part, parts of it seemed familiar and parts didn't. But um, it might just be because it had been a few years, but. The, the thing that I really wanted to mention is that when I walked out of the movie theater afterwards to go use the restroom, I was looking around, and I was at the time wearing, like, a black t-shirt with, like, a picture of, like, the guy, like, the chef man from the video game Burger Time on it. Mm-hmm. And I looked at another guy next to me, and he also had, like, glasses and a beard and, like, a black t-shirt with, like, a thing on it. And then mm-hmm. I looked at another guy, and, like, eventually glasses, beard, I just looked t-shirt. around, and I realized that... Easily 60% of the viewing audience of this movie were guys between the ages of, like, 28 and 35 with glasses, beards, and black t-shirts with, like, you know, like, the gorillas or something on it. And I was like, oh, wow. Wow, it's just all... It's just... Here we all are. We all found it. Just (laughs) here. 
Everybody knew the password to get into the club. Right. Like, this is straight up just, like, the same people who were watching Adult Swim 17 years ago. See, Matt, you, I feel, okay, now it's too late, so don't too feel too bad about this because it's spilled milk. But I feel like you missed a really golden opportunity to, like, once the movie had let out, if you started noticing this, if you had grabbed one guy and been like, hey, dude, like, check it. And then he looked at you and you looked at him and you both realized what was happening. From there, it would have been very easy to get a third guy and then exponentially easier to get like four, five, six, et cetera. And you could have had just like a very, very excellent group photo. <laughs> so yeah. if that next time, next time, Matt, you'll know what to do. Sure, sure. If they ever, if they ever do like a, a midnight double feature of Wolf's Reign and... Uh, I don't know. What's another good show in that same... Never mind. I, I got happy to that joke. What was that? Wrath of the Ninja? Ooh. Know. You know I love Wrath of the Ninja. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Dave, what is our four star of the week? So our fourth star of the week is... <laughs> this is... This is a... <laughs> I can tell you're Sorry. excited about this one. I am. This is a joke I had wanted to make like ages ago, and I had forgotten about it, and I, I can't remember what reminded me, but I was so tickled by my own joke that I brought it back. So like f- four or five weeks ago, uh, you and I and some other people, we were at one restaurant, and next to the restaurant to which we were going is a, is a Skyline Chili. Yes. Now, Skyline Chili serves a dish called Cincinnati Chili. And if you've never eaten Cincinnati Chili, good for you. If you've never heard of Cincinnati Chili, first of all, it's not chili. It's like meat gruel. Okay, here's here's the best way I can describe Cincinnati-style chili. It's like somebody went to go make spaghetti bolognese, and they messed it up so bad that they had to start calling it something else. <laughs> That's a very good thing. And then you eat it. Over cold spaghetti with, like, raw onions and beans and, like, a bunch of cheddar cheese. There's a couple of ways you can do it. There's, like... Yeah, there are many ways. It's, like, a thing. Like, three ways, four ways. That's, like, how it's the ordering system. There's three ways and five ways. There is no four ways. No, no, no. I looked it up. There there is a four-way, Matt. I looked it up. Anyways, so we were... None of this is the joke. You just need to know that Cincinnati chili is gross. Um... And so we were walking by, and there's a sign outside the Skyline Chili. Here's the joke, and it just says, are you feeling good and hungry? And all I could think of was like, because when you leave here, we'll take care of both ends of that equation. (laughs) You will no longer feel hungry. Also, you will not feel good for three solid days. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's the whole thing. There's, I just love my own dumb joke. There's cinnamon in it, you guys. It's not good. Yeah, no, it's weird. Like I think in theory, it's like a it's like a Mediterranean. There's like cinnamon and allspice and some other stuff. But then they just eat it over hot dogs and cold spaghetti, which is disgusting. I yeah. feel like in a different application, Cincinnati chili would be all right. Just no one in Cincinnati or elsewhere has figured out that application, and so it's gross. Um, yeah, don't eat Skyline chili, guys. Yeah. Uh, it is a good thing that they are not a sponsor. Um, I mean, we don't have sponsors on this show. Hey, we don't have sponsors, and I genuinely, man, even if we did, if they had called and said, like, we'd like to sponsor you, it would have to be a lot of money. It would have to be a lot of money to get me to endorse Skyline Chili. 
it would it would have to be a lot of money to get me to endorse Skyline Chili non ironically. Um, but Dave, enough enough chili talk. We got one more star. What is it? Lay it on me. Hit me. So. <laughs> Fit star of the week is that I like on my phone. It's like you know you pull up your internet browser and it's like maybe you'd like to read this article, and uh, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. Uh, but one of them today is an article from Gamespot, and it just is called Power Rangers 25th Anniversary. Every Tommy Oliver Ranger ranked, and it's not so much that I care about their rankings. I'm just tickled by the fact that Tommy Oliver played by the great Jason David Frank, has played enough Rangers that you can have a listicle solely dedicated to which of the Rangers he has played is the best. Okay, so there... What, is it a top five ranking? Because I, I I can think of five Rangers that he's been. It is, in fact, a top seven ranking. Seven? Okay, let me, yeah. let me, let me go off the top of my head here, and then you tell me what I'm missing. Okay. He, he was obviously the Green Dragon Ranger. Yep. Then he was the White Tiger Ranger. Uh, yep. Then he was the Red Zeo Ranger. Yep. Then he was the Red Turbo Ranger. Yep. And then later he came back and was the like Black Ranger slash mentor character in Dino Thunder? Yeah, he is the Black Dino Thunder Ranger. What am I missing? Now, the only one you're missing is that he was also the White Ninja Ranger. Oh, uh, the White Ninja Ranger. He was the White Ninja Ranger. And then the last one is actually like kind of a, it's kind of a cop out because it's Lord Dracon. Uh, oh, from okay. the new, yeah, from the new uh, Boom okay. Boom Studios Power Rangers line. So and technically the, the, there's only the six and then there's the extra one. So. And actually the, the White Ninja Ranger is also a like costume variant that happened during Mighty Morphin when he was still the White Ranger. Oh, okay. Well, see, there you go. So anyways, I just love that this dude, like every other ranger, kind of like has come and gone. Like, you know, they're on the show for like one, maybe two seasons. And then you go on and, you know, fade into obscurity, except Jason David Frank. And like that dude is just still around and it blows my mind and yeah. I love it. Dude, he's, he's coming back for the 25th anniversary special episode. Well, I would be at very... I mean, if he didn't, who would, right? Uh, there's there's going to be a couple people, actually. Uh, TJ is going to be there. Um, let's see. the oh, I'm, I'm totally blanking on the character's name. Wesley, I think? The the Red Ranger from um, ta- uh, uh, Time Force is going to be there. I think Cat's going to be there. Cat, like the, the, the last pink... Uh, Mighty Morphin Ranger, who was also there through Zeo and part of Turbo. I mean, that's all very exciting. I don't remember basically any of these. I like as a Power Rangers watcher, I watched the first. You and I watched like the first two seasons, I think, and then I kind of stopped watching it. Most of my Power Rangers knowledge uh, actually just comes from Ranger, listening to Ranger Danger. Yeah, it. I, I definitely. I think we've talked about this on the show before. How like our Power Rangers knowledge is like sort of backwards, but I do remember that like the one of the things that got me back into being interested about Power Rangers that eventually led me to start watching Sentai was the episode of Dino Thunder where Tommy is like in a coma and he has to go through and fight like old versions of himself so it's like Tommy's fighting the green ranger then in in like 
his mind palace, and then he's fighting the White Ranger, and then he's fighting the Red Zeo Ranger. And then, like, he comes out of his coma, and he is, like, the Black uh, Thunder or Dino Thunder Ranger again, and, like, they go and do something. It's, it's a, it, like, listen, it was very cool. And that was one of the things I was like, oh, man, this is a show that still exists, and I should be interested again. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, I think that's a very reasonable reaction. Actually, Matt, speaking of being interested in this show. You want to you wanna talk about the show that we're actually talking about today? I figure we should get around to it at some point. Okay, well, how about this then? We'll take a quick break. We're going to watch episode 37, I Am Gunmajin, and we will be right back. All right, welcome back. So we have watched episode 37 of Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. Dave, this show has a lot of robots in it. Yeah, it does, just... Yeah, dang, man, like a whole bunch. They need to sell those toys. Uh, And so they introduce us to a brand new toy or character this week. (laughs) Or character, depending on how you want to look at it. You know, okay, this is a very silly thing of me. I, because I am an adult and I do not buy, okay, I was about to say I don't buy toys. I, I do kind of buy toys. But anyways, like I don't buy these toys. I forget that Super Sentai is maybe the most toyetic show ever made, with the possible exception of uh, Rom Space Knight, in which they made a comic book about a toy that they had already invented. Yeah. And, like, in a weird way, the reminder that a lot of this is very crass commercialism. Like, here's a new robot because we've got a new toy and we would like you to buy it. Like, it kind of, it leaves, like, a little sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, I mean, on the other hand, like, you know, that didn't make Transfor- like the Transformers cartoon bad just because there were toys about it. That's true. I love the Transformers toys. Ah, you know what, Matt? Thanks for that perspective. Nope, that really helps me out because I love Transformers. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. That's why I used Transformers instead of He-Man because He-Man was a bad show. <laughs> He-Man was a very bad show. Have you ever actually... It's... Not only is it bad, Matt, it's much, much worse than you remember. That's like, almost I went impossible, back. but I do believe you. Yeah, no, I did go back and I watched like 10 minutes of an episode once. It's appallingly bad. But you know what's not Anyways, appallingly bad, Dave? Episode this show, 37 this show of Charlie yeah. Sentio Ranger. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to see how many other shows we can talk about aside from this one. So the, the show opens up and there's a little boy. And he is, I love this little kid already. This kid rules. His name is Satoru, which we'll find out later, but that's his name. And he is playing O-Ranger. Like, yes. he's like, jump, he's got some groceries with him, but he's like jumping around and he's yelling like, Sky Phoenix, go, like merge and all this stuff. Like he is very definitely playing O-Ranger, which is first of all adorable. And then... The greatest thing, I thought it was going to be the single greatest moment in this young boy's life because Yuji and Momo just roll up. And I thought that this kid was about to like, in my head, what was about to happen is they were driving and they hear him. They're like, oh man, let's give this kid a thrill and they're going to stop and it's going to be the actual O-Rangers and this kid's going to lose his mind. It turns out he just already knows Yuji. Yeah, he and Yuji are pals from the way back. Apparently. Uh, so Yuji just pops out and he's like, hey man, I got those pictures developed. And Satoru's like, no way, rad. And so he gets the pictures and it's just Yuji and Satoru 
like chilling. And then there is one giant picture of O-Robo. Just like bro shots of them hanging out and having a good time. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's pretty... It is also, like, obviously the show was made in, like, the early 90s. So there's no cell phones. Um, And so it's not, like, selfies. Like, they had a camera and they (laughs) gave that camera to someone else and asked that person to take pictures of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, like, three by five inch glossy photos that he had to take down to, like, the photo mat to get developed. Yeah, and so uh, these are just pictures of this of Saru and Yuji hanging out, and Saru is like, "Man, this is so great! Thanks, Yuji. Like, catch you later." And uh, and he kind of goes on his way, and Yuji says to Mo, "Like, man, that's Saru. Like, he's a great kid. He always helps out his mom. Like, that's why he's got all those groceries." Off we go, and yeah. then they leave. Quick, quick side note: Saru is maybe the youngest of the like young child like, one-off characters that we have oh, seen. Oh, yeah, good point. This, kid, this is kid is, like, super young. He's, like, maybe six or seven. Yeah. He's very young. Um, so as he is rolling up, some some bullies, couple some of street bullies, tufts. like... A couple of yeah, 10-year-old couple street, street tufts, tufts. Uh, roll up on him, and they're like, hey, give us those pictures. We like O-Ranger 2. Which, let me just say, bullies... I feel like you're really missing the message here. Hey, man, listen. If if there's one thing that the internet has taught us is that people can be fans of things while missing the central theme of that thing's message. <sighs> yeah. Man, that was just a real... Back to episode 37 of Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. I am Gun Machine. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot for that one, Matt. Um, so anyways... So the the kids like they they try to steal the pictures, but Saru just books it. Yeah, uh, he books it. He manages to outrun them, and this kid is wily. He is like he just runs and like high jumps a fence, which is rad. It's like a low fence, but still, um, he just high jumps a fence and then kind of runs down a path and then ducks through another fence. And kind of slips down. A, it's like by a river. And he slips down the bank and hides under a, a tree or something. He's headed like in a hole in a log. But to do this, he had to abandon his backpack. Yes. Or his like grocery bag or whatever. His grocery bag, yeah. Um, and the grocery bag had the photos in it. So the bullies can't find Saduro. Uh, but they do find his bag. And they're like, all right, O-Ranger pictures. And then they look at him. And... Like, the picture of Oplocker is cool, but the rest of the pictures are just pictures of a kid they hate and pictures of Yuji, but Yuji isn't, like, transformed. So it's just a bunch of photos of just, like, a kid they don't like and a guy they don't know. And they're very disappointed, and they tear them up and, like, these suck. We're out of here. Yeah, so they... Right. (laughs) Um, So the next thing... So the bullies leave. And then the next thing that happens is that the water... Like the river that is next to Sadhuru uh, glows, and he reaches down into the water and he pulls out a chain, mm-hmm. and at the bottom of the chain is a magical golden key. A and then there's a thunderstorm. Large. Yeah, and then there is a mystical thunderstorm that starts, and the water starts bubbling immediately. So that's awesome. Uh, then the next thing that happens is that this little like statue head like floats up out of the water and it starts talking yeah. to Satoru. it's like hi i like i am like i am 
Gunma Jin, like, please place the key in the slot. Because there's, like, a big, like, slot in his forehead where you can put this, like, sort of round key thing. Yeah, and the kit just, he immediately does it. Which, like, it turns out okay. Well, like, it does, it turns of. out that's totally, well, okay, it's basically fine. Um, or it will be fine later. Has this child learned nothing? Like, he's clearly, not only is he a fan of the Arrangers, he is, like, a personal friend of Yuji. Like, hey, little boy, if a strange head and a golden key just says, like, please, unlock me. Like, just don't, maybe, and I'm not saying don't ever, just maybe do some due diligence and find out if it's an evil robot statue head or sure. a good one. So, but he does. He, he does not do that, no. and he just unlocks this head. So when when he does this, the head sort of splits open. No, I'm sorry. The head grows. Uh, it, it splits gro- open and grows. Yeah. yeah, like it grows to the size of a building, and then it splits open, and like the exterior of there's a robot inside of it, right? And like yeah. the exterior of this like head shaped statue is like the cloak of the robot. Sort of. Yeah. And so, this, this and he has got, and this is Gunmajin, and he has got like a, like Greco Roman, like it's not super clear if he's supposed to be like a hoplite or a Roman centurion. Yeah. And like this, or, or like what, the statue like, also had sort of like a Mayan feel to it a little bit. But, but as we will learn later, like this dude is from like way, way back in the day before human civilization existed. Or at least before the, you know, before the continent split up. So it is possible that, like, there are a lot of elements of his look that are just sort of, like, generally ancient. That are that yeah, would later yeah, yeah, be attributed yeah. to various cultures. Uh, if, you yeah, have, and- if you have seen Power Rangers Zeo, then this is Oric, the Conqueror, from the episode The Lore of Oric. Uh, so that's, oh. that is what we're talking about here. Okie doke, there you go. Uh, yeah, so he's got this little rhyme that he says, and it's Ganma, Ganma, Don Doko Ganma. Um, I don't know. I, I think those are just supposed to be like magic words. Like they don't seem to they don't seem to mean anything as far as I can tell. Um, and so he says, Gunmajin says, oh, what a great rest. And then he looks down at Satoru and he says, well, you've got my magic key. So if you've got any wishes, I will grant them. Which seems... All right, sure. He's got the magic key. He found it. It was all of like a foot underwater next to a public park's path. Right, which is where all things show up after they've been hidden for 600 million years. Yeah. Oh, we didn't know that yet. But yeah, Gumagin is upward. Oh, no, no. You mentioned that before. Anyways. Yeah. So, Santoru, very reasonably, he says, well, can you go, can you beat up those bullies? And Gumagin's like, yeah, yeah, that's no problem. That's super, super easy. So yeah, he, those kids uh, he are very like, small and soft. Yeah, so he doesn't beat them up, but he does. He like picks them up and puts them in a tree, and then like blows on them to shake the tree. Right. He he scares them good and plenty. Right, and so he then so once he does that, he he shrinks back down and kind of like the cloak closes around him again, and he's just like a little statue. However, in the intervening moments, Yuji and Momo have seen. This this very, very large robot. Right. I really like this because I feel like in another episode, like, Yuji and Momo would have just, like, gotten in their Jeep and driven away and never noticed the giant robot, like, in the park 20 feet away from them. But they're like, oh, no, like, 
what's going on here? We should go check this out. So they hurry over, but as they are doing it, of course, they've totally missed Gunmajin shrinking and being turned back into the statue. And usually sort of sees Satoru running away holding something, but he doesn't connect it to the robot, of course. Yeah, because, I mean, like, obviously, that's very reasonable. So the next scene we see is it's Satoru, and he's got Gunmajin again. He's in, like, a baseball diamond or something, and he unlocks Gunmajin, and Gunmajin immediately grows to giant size. And it's like, hello, what can I do for you? And Satoru's like, the first thing you can do is... Like you're super noticeable and you're very, very loud. Can we turn things back a little bit? And Gunmajin's like, of course I can. And then he shrinks down to like an adult human size. Yeah. And Sasha was like, so what is, so like, what's the deal? Like you just, you just grant wishes and Gunmajin's like, yep, that's, that's like, that's pretty much the deal. He does say he will grant any wish that he approves of. Yeah, so apparently, so he does, like, he's, he's got, like, not, veto rights or something. Yeah, like, he will do whatever. But, like, if you say, like, go kill that dude, uh, he's probably not going to do it. Yeah. But so long as it so, seems reasonable to him, regardless of what he has to do to actually make it happen, he will do it. But and I, Yeah, this is... And we, I, I, want, I want to talk about at some point. Maybe now is not the best time. Maybe may, later in the episode. No, no, no. I think, yeah, we'll get to it in, in a minute. But, like, so, his, his definition of, like, being a wish-granting, like, magic robot is not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, so Sandu says, he says, oh, well, um, he's like, I really want to ride in O-Blocker. Like, I want to, like, get up in the cockpit of that very, very cool robot. That is what I would like to do. It's like, all right, you know, rad. That's that's a cool wish. I get it. You're sure. six years old. You want to ride the giant robot. Gun Machine um, has 35. No I-, I would also yeah. like to ride on that giant robot. Gun Machine has no idea what O-Blocker is or who the O-Rangers are. Like, he has been <laughs> hidden for so <laughs> yeah. long. He's like, you are going to have to break this down for me. He's like, I'll do it. That sounds okay, but I, I need more information. So... The next that we see is the, we flip over to the base and Ricky is there, amazingly, and he's telling the other rangers. He says, yeah, I don't actually know what's up with Gunmajin. Like, right. Like, I, I, like that dude, like that dude predates me and my whole deal. Like, and I, I'm 600 million years old. Yeah, he says like he arrived one time during, like he arrived once during my time 600 million years ago, but like. We don't know exactly who he is. If he's a robot, we don't know who built him or why. And, like, the whole thing is kind of a mystery. But I do know that he's super powerful and that he will grant wishes to people who, like, have his, like, thing, right? Yeah. Have his key. Yeah. So what we are about to find out is that Gunmajin doesn't grant wishes in the style of, like, a genie. He doesn't be like... He doesn't, like, twinkle his fingers. He's really more of, like... He's, like, a super-powered gopher. Yeah. Like, you say, I would like to ride in O-Blocker. And Gunmajin just figures out a... He's, like, a fixer. Like, he just figures out a way to make that happen. Right. Um, Which is, like... Kind of wild, and like I don't know. I feel like he doesn't really properly explain his deal to Satoru. <laughs> Satoru is like, "Oh, I want you to grant my wish. I want to ride in the robot." And Gunmajin says, "Cool, okay. Now I need to formulate a terrible plan." <laughs> yeah. The one other thing that Ricky says is, "Hey, the, like he does grow and do the whole thing, but when he's not like active." 
I know that like he shrinks down. And he's sort of inside this like mask statue. Um, so that's something we can be keeping an eye out for. And Yuji then flashes back to seeing uh, Satoru with the mask statue. He's like, oh, no. <laughs> now, because the, 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 the problems they have are twofold. One, they don't know what Gun Majin's up to or, you know, what he's, you know, he's just sort of a wild card. But also, they want to make sure that he doesn't fall under the control of the uh, Baranoia Empire, right? Yeah, because they have. Sorry, there was a brief conversation we, that we didn't mention where Momo is like, "Ooh, if that's the we're talking to Ricky, like, oh, if that's the deal, we need to be very careful about this." Yeah. So Yuji, like, they all sort of split up to try to go find Gunmajin, and Yuji starts to try to find um, Satoru. Yes, uh, he does not actually find Satoru. But what he does, what he does, but right there also is Gun Majin. And Gun, like, Satoru sees Yuji and he's like, hey, O Ranger. And <laughs> Gun Majin's like, oh, you're an O Ranger. You must know something about O Blocker. Where's O Blocker? Reveal to me like, the location not. of your secret base. Yeah. And Yuji's like, I'm not going to tell you that. And Gun Majin's like, well, then I will make you. And he just attacks him yeah. with his, like, crazy magic sword. Um, and I feel like at some it, point it, in this, Satoru has left or was yeah, not Satoru there at all at because Satoru point. does not see Gunmajin attack Yuji. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Satoru or uh, Gunmajin is just kind of interrogating Yuji, and the other rangers show up and they're like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, don't attack Yuji. Uh, and he says, Ah, you must tell me where Obaker is. And they're like, No, uh, and then uh, Shohei just tries to uh, he tries to attack Gunmajin, and Gunmajin just sort of like turns around and casually backhands Shohei and sends him flying twenty feet into a tree. So Gunmajin is not messing around. No, Gunmajin is extremely powerful. So yeah. he just like reaches over, uh, like he sort of bends down over where Yuji's unconscious body is. When he stands back up, Yuji has disappeared, and then Gunmajin just walks away and fades out of exist or fades out of sight. And everyone's like, "Whoa, what just happened here?" Uh, yeah, nobody is prepared for like the level of hurt that Gunmajin just dropped. Okay, uh, so commercial break. The next we come thing... back, we're on the moon, and there is a yeah. bomber, the great like, per- like it's not a parade. He's it's, it's more like of a, a rally. rally. Yeah. Yeah, it, but with like a rave rave background, like there's a there's a fire DJ operating somewhere in this building, and Bomber the Great is like getting the crowd riled up about like how rad he is. Right. So from the next thing we see is uh, Empress Hysteria, and she is looking at a painting of Bacchus the Great, or Bacchus the Wrath. Sorry, Bacchus the Wrath, Bacchus Wrath, and Bacchus Wrath must have had this painting commissioned extremely quickly. Because it is a painting of him with his meteorite sword, but also with his, like, angel wings form that he only had for, like, one episode immediately before he died. <laughs> so I'm not sure where this picture came from, but it's there. So uh, Bulldone is like, Mom, here's the deal. That gun rope, like, gun imagine can grant wishes. So we're going to go. We're going to get the key. Gunmajin will grant us witches, 
And then we will use that wish to destroy both Bomber the Great and the O-Rangers. Yeah. Empress Hysteria is really into this, but unfortunately, the other person who is listening in on this conversation is Bomber the Great, who is, like, standing behind a corner. So he pops yeah. out, and, like, he's got, like, a like a, like a taser whip. Like, he hits him with a whip, and there are, like, le- electrical explosions. Yeah, it's a weird moment. Um, um, and he's like, aha, like, now that you've told me, I'm gonna go get Ganmajin, and I'm gonna use it to kill the O-Rangers, and also, like... Anyone who stands against me, probably including you, because you yeah. guys are jerks. So we cut back down to Earth to a very uncomfortable scene. Yeah, it's not. It's not a great moment. Uh, it's just policemen shooting at people. Yeah, and these are not like robots in policemen uniforms. These just appear to be like regular cops. With their real human, like, revolvers shooting bullets at people. And it's very bad, and I don't like it. Yeah. Now, it is... It's not actually just regular police. Okay, Dave. Okay, let's, let's go on with this. I think it is regular police. I'm sorry. The police themselves are regular. I'm sorry. What I should say is... The police have not turned evil. Like, there is something else going on here. Yeah. So, there is a, like, the chief of police there. Uh, and you can tell that he's the chief because he's got sunglasses and a mustache on and no one else does. I think he also has a slightly different uniform. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, No, he does. He looks slightly different. Um, but, they're de- like, the police are definitely shooting at people. And then the rangers show up and the police start shooting at the rangers. And... We're like, okay, well, like, now clearly something is happening. And the Rangers also realize that something is happening. Yeah, like, Goro Goro looks at the the chief of police and sees, like, his eyes glow blue for a second. He's like, okay, this is a robot thing. Yeah, so, which, like, I'm (laughs) really glad that he does parse that together pretty quickly. I feel like O-Ranger has been a lot better than previous seasons of this show about the Rangers and the rest of the world acknowledging the reality that they live in. In like yeah. in the sense of like, this is very weird. Baranoia must be involved. Or like something strange is happening. We should go check that out immediately because it's probably our weird robot enemies. As opposed to in like Conquer Ranger, I feel like they just would have been confused for the next five minutes. Well some of the characters in Conquer Ranger were dumb is the thing. I mean, I, yeah, I well, loved all of them uh, dearly, but, like, some of them were pretty stupid. Yeah. So, and it turns out Gore is totally correct. It is Machine Beast Barra Policeman. And Barra Policeman has a super cool look. Oh, like, dude, Barra Policeman he, looks amazing. He just, I'm trying to, he just looks like the robot version of an old-timey cop, but he looks super tough and cool uh, it's just like, a, and he's got like his one hand is a revolver. Like it's just built in and, and it's a revolver. He just like, yeah, like he just looks like a rope. I feel dumb. He's a robot policeman and he just looks like a very cool robot policeman. Yeah. Like imagine seeing a cool robot, cool looking robot policeman in like a cool anime. And that's kind of the look of this. Like obviously in a lot of ways, like the Super Sentai shows are like a live action anime. But, like, the character yeah. designs do not always carry through on the same level. But, like, this dude genuinely does look like that. 
Yeah, so... And it turns out that not only does uh, Barra Police look very cool, he's pretty hard. Yeah, so he's uh, got, like, his gun hand, and then there's, like, a pipe that comes out of his back that shoots steam or something. And, yeah, I'm not sure what the what that's supposed to be, like, thematically. And, I, and then, and, Ancha and Kocha do maybe one of... It's one of my favorite things I've ever seen in an episode of, of, of Sentai ever. Ancha and Kocha just roll up and, like, hey, let's just end this one quickly. And they just make him giant... Like, the, that's, like, the second thing they do. He, like blasts the rangers to get himself a little breathing space and Ancha and Kocha roll up and then that dude is a giant robot. Yeah. It's great. So when he grows, the O-Rangers are like, okay, well now it's now it's big time. So they launch the O-Blockers. But of course, Yuji has been captured by um, uh, Gun Machine and so they can only launch four of the five O-Blockers. And as they're coming in, Barra Police just starts like wailing on him. It's like, listen, dudes, like I like the O blockers are fine individually, but no, like at this stage, you are not going to be able to beat me with like those individual robots. You have to combine. And without Yuji, you can't do it. And I know that he's gone. So I'm just going to kill you all now. Yeah. And uh, that is not an idle threat. Like we won't see it for a second, but the next time we see Barra police fighting them, he is handily soloing the remaining four blocker robos. Like they're shooting at him and he's like ducking under shots and they're inadvertently shooting each other. Like he's beating them so badly. He's finding some time to like clown on them in the process. Yeah. And it's crazy that like the degree to which this highlights the escalation of danger throughout the season. Right. Cause this is episode 37, right? Yeah. And so the O blockers, when they were introduced, they all individually all of like four episodes, right? Ago. They all individually beat leveled up versions of the monsters from the earlier part of the show, right? Yeah, things that had previously required O Robo to beat them, which means that each one of the O blockers are individually as strong or stronger than O Robo. And yeah. all four of them working together cannot beat this one cop robot. Um, yeah, it is pretty wild. Uh, so uh, so the next thing we see is Sanaru, actually. Sanaru has arrived, and he is, like, running up. Like, he recognizes that the O-blockers are in trouble. And I think his idea is that he will... He's Because he's got the key with him. He's like, oh, like, I'll use Gun Magin and I'll make a wish... To help save the O-Rangers. But he doesn't have Gun Magin with him. Like, he doesn't know where Gun Magin is. Right. Uh, so We're about to see where Gun Magin is. And where he is, is in a warehouse with Yuge in a cage. Yeah, so you, Just like a big old cage. Yuji's in a cage, just like locked up with like chains and a padlock. And he's like, dude, you have to let me out of here. What are you doing? And Gun Magin is trying to like... It feels like Gun Magin feels like he's trying to be reasonable. He's like, dude, all I want is to help, like, your friend. I, I have to help this boy fulfill this wish. I have to help a little boy live his, live out his dream. Why aren't you helping me with this? Why are you being so obstinate? And she makes yeah. a very good point. Like, listen, O-Blocker is not an amusement park ride. Like, it is a death robot that we use to fight monsters. You can't just let people get in there and mess around. Right, like, it's... No, like, that's wildly inappropriate. Uh, but Gun Magic is like, listen, I am a wish-granting ancient robot. 
person thing. A wish has been made. I have to grant this wish. Like, come hell or high water, that little boy is riding in that giant robot. Right. Whether or and not at this point, it's good for anyone involved. Yeah. And at this point, Satoru shows up, realizes that Yuji is locked up, and he's like, Gunmanjin, um, what are you doing? And Gunmanjin's like, well, I'm trying to grant your wish. <laughs> and Satoru's like, what? No, the Rangers are in trouble. Um, like, I, I don't want that anymore. Like, I do not want that wish. And Gunmanjin's like, Ooh, sorry, super bud. sorry. Like, that is not how that works. I've, you cannot and... cancel a wish. Then Satoru's like, okay, well, I've got a new wish. My new wish is that you let him out. And Gunmanjin's like, man, I'm sorry. Once I have one wish in me, I can't, like, I can neither like cancel that it. wish, nor can I start a new wish until the original wish has been fulfilled. Like, I just, and he, Alexander actually asks him, he's like, what, what are you talking about? Like, why? And Gunmanjin's like, that's just the way it is. Sorry. Yeah. Like, I don't know who set these rules up for Gunmanjin, or if he just decided them himself. But it yeah, is not um, very useful. It's not. Uh, Gunmanjin, actually, he reminds me a lot in this way of uh, Ninja Man. He does have sort of a Ninja Man vibe, yeah. In that, like, you know, he is a new, he's like a new super-powered character, and he's very powerful, but he is, you know, like, Ninja Man was very childlike. Gunmanjin has these sort of, like, weird restrictions. But, like, they're very powerful, but there is this, like, new weird thing going on. Like, there's some weird thing going on with them. Yeah. Um... So now we flip back and uh, Bara, we get that scene we were talking about before where like Bara police is like straight clowning on the remaining O-blockers. We flip back down to the warehouse. And what has happened is that Bomber the Great has, oh, sorry, Bomber the Great almost got the key from Sadaru before, but he failed to. And he's in the warehouse now and he sees Sadaru. He's like, ooh, like, I'm going to get that key. So he sort of like sneaks up on Sadaru. He tries to get the key. But Gunmajin like intervenes. Right. This is sort of weird because like Gunmajin serves whoever has the key. So I guess like he would try to stop someone from taking the key from whoever currently has it. But if you manage to get that key, if you manage to get it anyways, he would then serve you. I guess. A yeah, that, that seems to make I sense. I don't know. Like... Gunmanjin has some, again, has some very weird internal rules. Right. Uh, but he does not manage to get the key, but he is distracted because he's now like, Gunmanjin is now fighting Bomber the Great. Sadaru takes advantage of this distraction to grab the key from the ground and unlock the cage. At which point, like, Yuji dashes out. He, like, runs out of the, the thing. He does, like, a henshin on his way. It's a like, very a cool running one. Henshin. The yeah, slow good. running henshin. And then he summons O blocker, and they come, or he summons um, blue blocker, and then they combine into O blocker or blocker robo. I mean, they're all called whatever the color it is. Blocker. The fact that his is called blue blocker is kind of hilarious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so they combine into blocker robo, and then Gun Magic is like, "Oh, perfect! There's O blocker. I've been looking. Or uh, yeah, I've been looking, looking for I've been you looking for that guy." So he turns into a giant. He's like, Gun Majin! And he becomes giant. And then he, sn- like, he steps in the middle of the fight. 
and I think Bara Police tries to do some attack, and Gunmagin basically ignores it. Yeah, Gunmagin is not interested in Bara Police. He is only interested he- in getting O-Blocker away from the O-Rangers so that he can put uh, Satoru inside of it. Yeah. So he says that. He's like, you guys have to give me that robot so that I can let Satoru ride it. And they're like, we're, no, we're, we're busy. No, we need this giant robot to fight that very large monster who is immediately behind you. And Gunman just says, well, this is not how I wanted to do things, but you've kind of forced my hand. And he pulls out his sword. Oh, he does like, uh, he's got like a cool Gladius style sword and he uses it to channel like elemental style attacks. Yeah. And he like launches some fireballs at O-Blocker. Uh, and then that's basically the end of the episode. This is a cliffhanger episode. Yeah, O-Blocker goes down. Barra Police is still like right there. And Bomber the Great, who had been sort of defeated by uh, Gunmajin in their fight in the warehouse, is now back up on his feet and sneaking up on Satoru again to try to get the key from him. And that is the end of this yeah. episode. Uh, yeah, then that's it. Uh, so we don't have anyone to put on the uh, the Creature Royale this week, Dave. Do we have any, like, final thoughts on what we think of the episode or uh, opinions about Gun Magine? Uh I'm a big fan so far. He's got a very cool look. I guess I don't want to say too, too much until we... I don't know. I just I want to feel like I'd like to see a little bit more of this dude and get a little more, more info on, like, what his whole deal is. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, well, I guess in that case, Dave, that is going to do it for another episode of Free Your Eyes O-Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, we are at supersentaibros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get the show. That is what's going to help other people find it as well, which is great. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Uh, to check out any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do that all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.